Hello. Welcome. Welcome back to Bill Nate Easy, which, you know what? I realized the other day what our initials are. What's that? Bay. B-A-E. Bill Nate Easy. Oh, yeah. So you changed the name? Well, I'm not changing it. I'm just embracing it. I feel like we should embrace it. Bay. Yeah. Which typically means before all else, right? That's what bay means. Like if you're my bay. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea bay meant that. Yeah. Before all else. That's cool. Yeah. So anyway, welcome to Bill Nate Easy. It is episode, I still don't know. I'm not going to claim to know. 23? 27. Really? Sheesh. Feels like there have been a lot more. But anyway, it's been another interesting week in America and another interesting week in this agency. So talk to me. What went on this week? Um, it was just 14 hours a day of grinding every day, trying to prove campaigns. We launched with uh, healthcare and bringing some new agents in. And so it's been crazy. It is written all over your face, my friend. I'm defeated. Defeated because there's been so much work to do. That's that's a positive thing. Yeah, it's just been a lot, but we're here. Things are happening. And what about you? Um, same. So, like, I've been trying to catch up because I've been, had like a running total of thank you cards, which is always a good like barometer for how much work I've been doing, and. Worked for about five hours on Saturday, ran some appointments with clients, and tried to catch up some of these cards. And it was a stack, like a stack of cards. It was pretty wild, which is such a great problem to have. Um, but I really have to find another assistant to do some of this tedious little stuff that is so time-consuming, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's just a lot. Like, I, you know, the more that I, the more time I spend in, with people that are like health Sherpa, like ACA clients, I've met a lot of people lately that are so grateful to like meet me, to like talk to me, like for my help in the process, because it's such a, it can be such a tedious experience. Now we do it all the time. So like we can zoom through an application. It's like really pretty quick, you know, like I'm yeah. amazed at how fast we can be at it. And I could, you know, have a supplemental package, a second supplemental package somewhere else, and an ACA application, get all of it done in 20 minutes. It's pretty wild. But there have been so many people that are just so grateful yeah. for, like, the help, right? Because yeah. it is overwhelming if you go out. If, and if you, for anybody who's trying to do this on your own, if you go out, do not use healthcare.gov. That application is an actual beating. Have you ever done a healthcare.gov one? I've had a call in. It's pretty terrible. It's awful. Yeah. Health Sherpa all day long. It's a, the most user-friendly, simplified application that there is. Um, but God bless Health Sherpa, truly. Yeah, 100%. So, but, I mean, I've been glad to get in to the, like, health, like, the healthcare.gov space. Yeah. Because there is such a need for so many people to have that coverage or to have coverage period because they can get a subsidy and they can't afford even their work plans, right? Like, so talk about the um, equation to see if you meet minimum, if your plan meets minimum value standards to qualify for a subsidy. 
Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. It has to be like 8.35%. If your employer is offering you a plan, they can't go over. It has to go over 8.39%. It's a really weird equation of your income. Yeah. So you got to do like a little equation to see. If it's less than that, it's considered affordable and you can't qualify for a subsidy. Yeah. They won't give it to you. So if you took a subsidy, they would make you pay it all back at the end. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they could take back everything. But if it's more than eight and a half percent, yeah, then it's not considered affordable, and you can qualify for and take a advantage t- of a subsidy. tax credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy because a lot of times employer plans will be like four, five, six, seven hundred bucks. But you know, well, I mean, and for a family, you could be you're over a thousand for sure, but you could be anywhere from twelve hundred to two grand, and so. Probably yeah. not meeting the affordability standard, and you can still take advantage of a subsidy. So that is pretty amazing as well. So, yeah, yeah just the more time I spend in it, I think I am grateful that we made this transition and we have all of these options to show to people because legitimately there's not anyone that we get off the phone with that we can't help. Yeah, it's everyone. How we're going to be able to settle them. It's only weird if, like, they're in, like, in a weird state. Like, well, I don't want to call you guys out, but, like, if you live in New York, like, Washington, it's just more, just more challenging. There's options out there, but it's more challenging for sure. And during open enrollment, a lot of these states just will shut down options. So where you would have options not during open enrollment, like, with lots of carriers, you have very few options during open enrollment because they're trying to push you to take the marketplace, which, you know, like, Minnesota's one plans that we had available earlier in the year are not available currently so you know navigating that can sometimes be a little bit tricky but it's essentially just because the government wants to push people to the marketplace yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. well let's talk about some some topics because this comes up we looked online and some things kind of got down okay i'm going to ask you tell me what your thoughts are Kay. on it okay um, i always have an opinion yeah already. okay here we go can health insurance companies drop you um, they wouldn't drop you midterm, but they can choose not to renew you, the private side, when your plan comes up for renewal. They can choose not to offer you insurance again. Um, and they will do that pretty often if there were large claims throughout the year, throughout that last term. Um, the healthcare.gov plans will not drop you. That is like a premise of that plan is that they take everybody regardless of their health. Yeah. Um, which is still a misconception. Do you still hear this from clients that'll say, like, I just heard it this morning, actually, that they'll say, but I thought it wasn't a thing that you could exclude people any longer. And yeah. I'm like, but not for private plans. Private plans do their own thing. They're opposite the marketplace, but the marketplace, that is a requirement. Yeah, right? 100%. So they can't drop you midterm. Um, but realistically... They, depending on what the claim is, they will go back and try to find a reason that it was pre-existing to not cover it. So sure. Yeah. Some private plans like actually underwrite on the back back end. So if you have something major up, and they can pull records and be like, and they will pull records. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always tell people like, the insurance companies are like in the business of trying to not pay claims. They don't want to pay a bunch of claims, right? Like they stay profitable by having everything go peachy keen and not have to pay claims. So if you come at them with very large amounts of money that they're going to have to pay, they're going to go try to find a reason that they're not liable to pay it. Like that's the business they're in. So yeah, 
That's why you have to be really truthful in your application. If you and, and like I think this is an important distinction. If you let's say that you had migraines, but like nothing ever came of it. You just talked to your doctor once. You mentioned it. If the doctor has notated that in your file, which I promise you they have, it is now pre-existing. When you go to say, well, I need to have an MRI because I am having these severe migraines and it's become a problem, the insurance company will absolutely pull your records and they will come back and say, this was pre-existing. And they're like, I'm like, well, did your doctor know about it? Well, I mentioned it once. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what pre-existing is, right? Yeah. So that stuff stays in your records for eternity. Um, the other thing. Well, that seven I, years. No, in your, re- in your medical records. They or typically only pull five years of records, but it's always there. Your MIB is for seven years, but your medical records with your doctor oh, per doctor. are always there. Yeah, it might be seven, but yeah, some companies look back in the past two to five years. But I think that, you know, that's a really important distinction. The, the other thing that I think is important for people to understand is if you go to your doctor, let's say you went to your doctor and you complained about migraines, and they said, okay, I really want to see you back in three months because I want to check on this, you know, see where we're at with this. If you don't go back to, like, clear up or say, like, this isn't an issue anymore, then that unresolved issue stays in your records, right? It's going to show that you had a problem that was not, like, fully addressed, and that will potentially cause you problems down the road too. So, like, when they tell you to come back for whatever follow-up, you have to go back for that follow-up or have communication with your provider because if you don't, then the negative thing just stays out there. Wild. Kind of follows you forever. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. What else? Okay, check this out. So, do people want to know? Can health insurance be be applied retroactively? If it's COBRA, it can be applied retroactively. So, COBRA is when you leave an employer, you will get an offer from your employer to keep your coverage status quo, but now you're paying the full retail cost plus 2%. That can be for up to 18 months after you leave the job. Um, If you don't, like, they have 30 days to send you COBRA paperwork. If you don't activate it right away, you have 60 days total from when you sever from the employer to activate your COBRA offer and it will retroactively backdate to when you first lost coverage. Um, but otherwise, no. You have to have coverage before you need it because if you wait until you need it, you're not going to be able to get it. Like, And yeah. that's just like a commonsensical one. I wish – I think in a perfect world, people wish that like you could, oh, now I need it. I'm going to go get coverage and it will pay for it. But that doesn't even make sense, like, re- like really. Because if that's the case, if, if you could retroactively activate an insurance plan – no one would ever need to buy coverage. You would wait until something happened. Yeah. Right? So, no. The only time, the only instance is COBRA, and that's really just because you already had coverage. You know what's crazy with COBRA? I've heard people, like, their plan gets cut off because it's, like, mailing the check or something. Yeah, they don't make it easy. To COBRA, and, like, someone didn't mail it in time, but they cut off his plan because it it didn't post-date. They didn't receive in cash the check until... Right. A couple days after, and they cut them off. Well, I think that's the other thing, too. Isn't like that crazy? People will always ask me, well, can I get off of COBRA if I get on it? And I'm like, oh, they, yeah, they want you off of it. Like, that employer, that insurance plan, 
they don't want to continue to cover you if you're not a part of the organization. They would rather you get off. So, yeah, you can absolutely get off of it. But, like, they do, I feel like, look for reasons yeah. to kind of stop your coverage. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Well, okay. Um, will health insurance cover Wagovi? Um, I So, it would have to be an employer plan because Wagovi is the – the one only for weight loss. Most mm -hmm. of the weight loss medications, the injectables that they're giving these days are type 2 diabetes medications that they're giving because it will cause you to lose your appetite. You'll, like, lose weight. Um, Wagovi is not a type 2 diabetes medication. It is only for weight loss. Um, there are some employer plans that will cover it, Um and there are times when I will meet clients that are on it, and I'm like, is your current plan covering it? And they're like, yes, it is. And I said, then you need to take COBRA and stay where you are because it's $1,000 a month or more yeah. for that medication. And if you already have a plan that's covering it, you're not going to find anything outside that's going to cover it. So the ACA plans don't cover it. And a lot of times, in the, and people wonder why this is, a lot of times it's because weight loss is seen as an elective need. Like, it's, it's not necessarily a medical need, although in a lot of cases I think it probably is a medical need, but they, they see it as an elective procedure that you're choosing to have that they're not going to cover it. Yeah. So. What about, like, uh, Ozempic and, like, um, all the other ones? Same thing. So if you, you can potentially get those approved. So uh, insurance companies will ask for a preauthorization for a lot of these things, and so they'll make you jump through some hoops and get some special – form signed from your doctor to say that it's medically necessary to be able to cover it. But you're, you're only going to find that on the, the type 2 diabetes medication for weight loss. You can get those approved on the ACA plans. You're not going to get it approved on private. Um, Wagovi is not approved on the ACA, is covered on yeah. occasionally on an employer plan. What some people do, too, is uh, for, like, Manjaro and stuff, is if you use their manufacturer coupon, there are some private, like, commercial plans that you can pair together. Now, they'll only last, like, two or three months, you know, until you can get it to a better plan, but at least saves you, like, 500 bucks, yeah. you know, on the, on the copay, which is nice. Okay, let's talk about some, like, let's talk about some, like, triggering topics. Okay, you ready? Maybe. Okay, we'll so... Um, this girl, I guess when she was a kid, uh, she had a transgender, like, surgery, right? Or double mastectomy. She was born a female. Born a female. Okay. And then she wanted to transition when she was young. Uh-huh. And now she's older, and she's suing Kaiser because she's like, I didn't consent for that. And now, I don't know. Like, it's kind of, well, so kind of, kind of intense. Would she consent? Her parents would have to consent, right? Yeah, it was her. It was her. Or, like, I don't know if she was forced, but parents are her. She was dropped into this situation, and now. So, I've seen a lot about this, actually. It's been kind of all over the Internet. Yeah. People, because, because people who are maybe against transgender surgeries yeah. or people going that route are pointing to this episode as like see this person had it as a child as an adolescent yeah and now they regret it but i think that it's a little bit not looking at all the facts because if you look if you actually go further and do more research on the internet 
only like less than 1% of the population who's had transgender surgery actually regrets the decision. So most people are happy or pleased with their life after surgery, but this is one person who now is being vocal about it, and so everyone is kind of using it to point to, like, why you shouldn't. Yeah, that's, like, a question for the people, right? Like, do you know people that have had it done and, like, regret it or, like, are for it, or do they – I don't know what the case is. That was one you'd have pull. to be pretty close to the situation for them to tell you that they regretted it. I know, it's probably, pretty deep. It's right? pretty deep, right? Um, but, but I do think that there is some responsibility to – like, like this is a great example. Like, it probably should be a child having made it through adolescence and through their, like, pubescent years to be able to make the decision for themselves. I mean, if we're going to say that they can't vote until they're 18, they can't drive until they're 16, why would we allow them to make the decision to completely change their identity at 10, 12, 13 years old, whatever it is, right? So I, I do think that there's potentially some culpability on the part of the adults because, and I don't know what the answer is, like, thank goodness this is not part of my child-rearing experience that I have to deal with this because it's that is a heavy, heavy burden to bear. I can't imagine what those parents must go through because you just want your kid to be happy, Right? And they, you know, but there's, like, there's so much stuff now. Like, my child identifies as a cat or just, like, <laughs> like all yeah. of this stuff to contend with. And parents are constantly trying to, like, I have to be in support of my child. But I think you can still be in support of your child and not just say yes to everything they say. And that's where people, I think, have trouble and need to draw the line. But yeah. I just think it's, yes, this is a buzz topic. It's all over the internet, and people are like, see, this is why it's wrong, and this is why you shouldn't do it, and whatever. But if you really get into it, less than 1% of the population who've actually transitioned have regret. So that would Yeah, that was one pretty poll. And that the, the 1% is that one person. Like, I mean, that's probably it. Like, you know what I mean? So to, like publicize that and like put that out there i know but here's the thing like as a parent do you like do you think parents should decide for their kids to like go get this done? well i don't i don't know that those parents were deciding for their child right they were probably listening to their child and trying to be in support of their child so that's the dilemma. don't they have to sign off as like a parent yeah, they like? have to sign off that they're okay with the surgery but i don't think that they said oh, you're going to have this surgery. I'm sure the child asked to transition. Like, what parent in their right mind would say, oh, you like girly things? Let's let's cut it off. Like, I mean, that doesn't even, that's, that's not how the conversation would go. But it would be, yeah. I want to be in support of my child. My child says that they don't feel comfortable in their body. That's a whole other topic. So not talking about like the, morality of it but do you think that like because some plans cover it like group plans well group plans and all of the obamacare world would cover it yeah do you think that like people 
like are okay with it. Like if you got if you're watching this, do you think people are okay paying for that? Like in their plan, if I, they if they don't believe in it. I don't know. I mean, but it's it is that you can't pick and choose. Like the only way to pick and choose what your plan covers is to go private. And there are downfalls. There there are pitfalls to everything that you're going to do. You know, you either get onto a guaranteed issue plan with an employer or the marketplace, and you will have some of those things covered. I mean, for a long time, their abortion was covered. Now we're in like this big d- abortion. Yeah turmoil um but you're gonna there are def- definitely going to be things that are covered that you may not agree with or you can take a private plan where those things are not covered but you also miss out on some of the things that are good that are covered by a guaranteed issue plan so there's not a perfect recipe yeah. you can't pick and choose yeah but you can pick what you least least want you know like if you're healthy and you don't want to pay for these things, you can for go. Sure. You can go to a private plan for sure, but there's a trade-off. There's a trade-off with every plan. Uh, the moral of the story is you just need to understand what is covered in your plan. I think, um, but I can't imagine like anyone who actually needs a guaranteed issue marketplace plan. It would be sort of crazy to deny yourself that coverage because it also would cover some amount towards transgender surgery like it's just not even it's not a part of your world you'd have to really really yeah. feel strongly about it to die on that hill yeah, well, a lot of people are like a lot of people like like especially in southern states like that's like their ish like they're like i know but here's here's the wild thing about that okay if you because they think it's just obamacare that covers it I hate to break it to you, but your employer plan is an Obamacare plan, yeah. and it covers it. So if you're taking your employer coverage and you're grateful for that coverage, which in most cases people really are grateful to have that op- that option, that's covered in your plan, probably to a better degree than it is on the marketplace plans. So, like, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Like, Yeah, you'd have to drop your employer plan and, like, go strictly private. If, like, that's, like – your right. morality, which but, is cool. But the other side of it is those people, a lot of them probably are very, they want maternity in their plans. You don't get maternity on private plans. You only, you have to have a guaranteed issue to have maternity. So it's like, again, it's like all a trade-off, but I think it's not understanding the ins and outs of it because those people that would die on that hill, like I absolutely will not be a part of this program because it covers these surgeries. So does your employer plan. Probably better than the marketplace. Like people just don't understand. Your employer plan is an Obamacare plan. Like let me break it to you. They are one and the same. They follow all the same rules. The pricing looks very similar. The plans look similar, but usually employer plans are better, but it's also because they're more expensive. But they're the same thing. So if you think you hate Obamacare – I hate to break it to you, but your employer plan is an Obamacare plan. Yeah, unless it's like a small business and like they're picking and choosing their plan, you know, that's right. But by and large, by and large, most employer plans, your corporate employer plan, yeah, is an Obamacare plan. It follows all the same rules. Yeah. What do you think about the government being in in people's like health insurance? Like a lot of conservatives like want to get the government out of their health insurance. 
I don't I don't know what I think about that because I think that in in every country there's some involvement by the government in healthcare, right? Like regulated, yeah. Yeah, I mean you have to be able to regulate it. I mean, I, if you actually if if you really want to know what I think the biggest problem with American healthcare is, it's that doctors and providers can charge whatever they want to whomever they want, like, for their service. Like, I could charge $3,000 for a service, and they could walk down the street, and you perform the same service and do it for $500. And there's no one to regulate. There's no mandate on, like, what can be charged. Except the networks. They They will upcharge because they can with an insurance company. Yeah. And if if people are upset about the high cost of insurance, the, the providers are to thank for a lot of that because they will, like, the, the first thing they tell you is if you are ever in the hospital, ask for an itemized bill. Because nine times out of ten, they have tacked on a bunch of stuff that you didn't even do so that they could get more money out of the insurance companies. So if you want to pay less for insurance then that's probably the first place that we should start is mandating what these providers can charge and regulating that because that that's the other thing that's that is such at the crux of like all of our problems because not only does it drive the cost of everything up because you're paying for um inflated like inflated rates or like over dramatized rates from these providers but it also dictates at that point the quality of care that someone can get because of how much money they have, right? Because you have to be able to afford a really expensive plan to be able to get great care. So it's all kind of part of the same problem. I actually think that's the thing to fix as opposed to like taking the government out of it or, you know, I think Obamacare was such an important attempt. I think it was it was their first at bat. Like, I think they probably rushed it because you know Obama was heading out of office and he wanted to have something to like plant his flag, whatever. But um, so I think maybe it was taken to market prematurely and it wasn't. They hadn't ironed the kinks out. But the reality is, it's impossible to have a blanket solution for everyone because everyone's needs are so different. So. That was an impossible feat, and people have just crucified him because you know the program because of it. But trust me, if you are one of the the people who need that coverage, you're going to be really freaking glad that that program exists. Yeah, because there's nothing else that will cover it. <laughs> yeah, and people don't and and people the misconception. So today I talked to someone, young person, and. She had multiple conditions, multiple medications. And, and I, I said to her, and so, like, her, it was her and her mom, because she's young. It's the first time shopping for insurance on her own. And she's like, well, we don't, we don't want to be on Obamacare. And I said, it's not that any of these conditions are that big a deal by themselves, but together and all the medications you're taking because of them paints a really different picture to an insurance company. And so you need to be on Obamacare because it's the only place that's going to cover you and not look at any of these things as pre-existing conditions, right? But they were so vehemently like, well, we don't, we don't want that. 
and they don't really even know like how much how much good it's going to do in their situation. She's like, we don't want that because that's what they hear is we don't want that. It's terrible. Yeah. But I'm like. So what's your message to the conservatives out there that are like, I don't want I don't want this because it's out, but it's like a good option for them. Like, I just think you have to be open. You have to like understand. I mean, a lot of times, like, you know, I was even reading like one of a, a review that came through of ours the other day. And they were talking about me as the advisor, and they said she took the time to explain to me exactly why I needed to stay where I was, like something along those lines, right? And that's what a responsible advisor will do. Like, the reality is I could have taken that girl and put her – I could have gotten her approved on a private plan. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And I said to that family, it would be irresponsible for me to go this route with you. We could pull it off, but it wouldn't be the right thing to do. And that's it. My message is work with someone who understands the system and how it works and all the options. And work with someone who really has the, your best interest at heart and isn't just out to make a buck. Because I definitely know we spent enough time at another place where people taught their clients to lie on applications like it was their job. Yeah. So they could get them approved regardless of the harm that they were potentially putting that client into, that's a crappy world. Don't run away from those people. Don't work with them. But, like, that is my my message is just be open. Work with someone who, at the end of the day, just wants you to be covered in your best possible option and not someone that's going to cookie cutter, try to just, like, put everyone in a plan. If they don't listen to how you use your plan or talk to you about options, or try to think through a solution with you, run away. There are so many other agents you could work with that will potentially do better by you. Yeah, definitely. What about you? What would you say to conservatives? What would I say? I would say, yeah, it depends on your morals. Like, we, we both are strong morals, you know? Like, if you, at the end of the day, are like, man, I don't want to pay for substance abuse, abortions, if depending on the plans, right? Like, Covered with group state, really state, yeah. Want to pay for these transgender surgeries, right? You know, like these things happening. Then it's cool to go to a private. Just know what you're signing up for in those, right? But I think I think you have to preface that by saying, if you can get it, if you can, you could hate all of those things and still have a laundry list of medical conditions. That that is your only option. And you should pray to the church of the ACA because it's the only thing that you're going to be covered for. Like, is it awful? Like, it's just, it's the, it's the reality. Here's the other deal too. There are private plans out there that are permanent solutions now that you can get as a self-employed individual. Like you can get kind of like a one person group type of situation. Get it. They're more expensive. You know, they're 500 to a thousand a month. They typically have underwriting though. Yeah, you but you still have to get approved for it. You still got to get approved, but they're not as like they're not as stringent. They're like they're stringent. More well, stringent. They're more lenient than some private plans. Um, but you could get those. They do cover maternity. They do cover surgeries. But yeah. you know what? I I wish I wish that they had never honestly called it Obamacare because that is where most of the trouble comes in. Yeah, they feel that if level of If they just angst. called it the Affordable Care Act or the marketplace from the beginning, you think it would have changed the then whole. It would have probably not set the tone for people to have this preconceived notion about what it is without even understanding what it actually is. Yeah. 
really, it's too bad. It's unfortunate. So all I'm saying is be open. Talk to someone about your situation, how you use your plan, and only talk to people that can give you options, plural. Big options. So. Cool. What else? That's We'll see if we got more. We, we ran through all of them. Um, I don't think we have any more. What time is it? 32 minutes. This is a quick pod. Um, we got this one. I'm just going to cut out this part, Jack. Uh, will health insurance cover gym memberships? So I think that there are plans. I mean, I, that would probably be more of a private thing, right? Where they yeah. add in some of these, they sprinkle in some benefits, but these like outside benefits, but some of them are really funny to me. Uh-huh. And I feel like, like those are the plans that are missing out somewhere else and they're like, ooh, let me dazzle you with this gym membership or this, you know, roadside assistance. Like the stuff that they throw <laughs> in with these plans is yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, but I think some employer plans also might give this perk. I think it's more common to see like we're going to give you these health and wellness perks as part of your plan because we're encouraging you to live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And you'll see that with employer plans a lot. Oh, a ton right? of time, yeah. Like, they'll they'll let you buy a plan at a certain rate, and then you can get it at a better rate if you agree to do this health and wellness thing, or you get checked up for a physical every so often, and you do these. So, like, I think it's part of, like, that sort of thing. Um, but it's not super common to, to have a gym membership, but I think it Yeah, it it's mainly exist. with group plans. It yeah. does exist. Yeah. Are health insurance uh, premiums tax deductible? They're not. Yeah. But if you are self-employed, you can write it off on your taxes. Yep. You can write Talk off. to your tax person because we are not tax people, but it is a single line item deduction on your taxes. So, but but this is an interesting something because I'll have this conversation with families as well. I'll say, well, your husband's self-employed and he's been on your plan, so he's kind of a double offender on your plan because he's the most expensive person on your coverage because typically – to add a spouse, it's seven to $900, right, mm-hmm. to add them to your plan. Plus, you guys are missing out on the tax benefit that if he were on his own plan, he could be writing the expense off on taxes. But with your plan, it can't be written off because your benefit comes that you're getting the money taken out of your check pre-tax. So that's where your tax benefit comes from. And probably it's a bigger financial gain to write it off on your taxes as opposed to taking that money out pre-tax to pay for insurance. So yeah. I have that conversation with people a lot of the time, often. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We had substance abuse, but we kind of already touched on that. So it is what? We have four days left. It's Monday. Yeah. So we have four days left of open enrollment. Now, yes and no. We have four days left to be covered by January 1st. But the reality is, if you you should still get help, even if you procrastinate. Well, you shouldn't procrastinate. Jack, put this pot out immediately so that people can see it and not procrastinate. Because you have till Friday at midnight to enroll for a January 1st start. If you get past Friday, you make it to the 16th, you should still get covered, but it means you won't have coverage until February 1st as your first possible start date um so 
you should get covered. But some states will push it out further. We'll actually be in some form of open enrollment probably until March or April because that's typically how it goes is that states will push and extend because they'll want to see a certain number of their residents enrolled. Yeah. Um, but healthcare.gov's deadline is December 15th for a January 1st start. If you get past that, you will not be covered until February 1st. Unless you cop a private plan. Unless you go private. Yeah. But this is the last week. So either way, you should book your appointments now because what you want, what the ideal situation is, is if you go in and talk to an advisor who can show you all of the options, you want all of the options on the table. You want to know everything you could possibly get. And if you get past the open enrollment deadlines for the government, you just lost a third of your options. Like you just lost one of your options, right? So yeah. to get a look at everything, you should get it done before December 15th. Get it done. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for listening. Dakota will have caffeine next time. He'll be feeling more awake. He's worked a lot lately. But until then, I am Lori. I'm Dakota. Thanks. Bye. Bye.